0: How do you define a successful life? If your answer can be summarized as earthly excellence and sacred significance, you're at the right place. Join host Stephanie Smith as she shares three keys unlocking a life of lasting purpose. Learn yourself, love God, and live connected. You'll become smarter about yourself, skilled in human dynamics, savvy about the Christian faith, and strengthened to pass this wisdom on to upcoming generations. And now, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Life's Key 3. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. If you have been following along, then you know that through this year, we have covered systematically a couple of books in the Bible. We covered the book of 1 Samuel, and then we covered the book of Ruth. And while I had originally planned that we would start a new book or significant passage today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Before we dive in, if you are new to the podcast and this is your first time listening, or maybe you've listened to a few episodes, but I understand life gets busy and with so much content coming out is sometimes it's hard to remember, now what podcast was that and what was I supposed to do again and what was that one about? Well, the Life's Key 3 podcast is for people who want to have a life of earthly excellence and sacred significance, a person who really wants their life to count for eternity. And there are three keys to making that happen. They are to learn yourself, to love God, and to live connected. And boy, are those three things a lot easier to say than to actually do throughout all of life. But those things summarize what makes the difference between a person who achieves their immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable impact and those who squander it or those who just kind of develop it to a mediocre level. Now, I know that handing someone your email address is kind of like handing them your car keys, or at least sometimes it can feel that way. I do want to invite you to come on over to the website stephaniepresents.com and sign up for the weekly Three Keys newsletter. This isn't going to be a bunch of spam where I'm trying to sell you something new every single week. There are times that I will have resources that I'll let you know about that are available for purchase, but there's a lot of insight and information just in the weekly newsletter and I just invite you to come and check that out. And hey, if you find out after a while, it's just not for you, it's so easy to unsubscribe. The reason this year that we are focusing so much on the podcast on teaching directly from the Bible is because we so need to have a bedrock of truth for our lives. In a world that is increasingly becoming crazy and just not just saying, Truth is whatever you make it, but is denying biological truth. That's denying truths about creation. That's just coming to the place of just denying things that nowhere else throughout all of human history has ever truly happened before, if at all, at least to this level. Some people would say that is progress. Some people would say, oh, no, it's anything but. And so how do we make that decision? How do we distinguish the difference between what is cultural and human progress and what is going down a path of regression and a path that's going to lead to destruction? Well, that's why I am so thankful that our creator has given us a book that we can go back to and we can look at. So it's not just a matter of, well, you say this, and I say that, and who's to know? And then we don't find out, maybe not just in our lifetime, but maybe for generations to come, oh, that's the truth. Because here's the thing, the truth will always come out. It just doesn't always come out on our timetable. So we've been walking through significant passages, and again, some books of the Bible this year. And in the weekly newsletter, you are able to also have three additional days of reading assignments and material and insights. And it's not just for you. It's also divided down so that if you have middle school and elementary school ages, and even if you have preschoolers, then I break that down so there are some ways that they can read from Bibles that are written specifically for them. And then for older kids and teens, that there are some discussion points and insights that you can have as a family, as a parent, to be able to share together. So I invite you to hop on over to stephaniepresents.com, sign up for the Three Keys newsletter. All right, let's dive into what I want to talk about today. Today, I'm going to focus on a particular verse of, of Scripture, but then I want to tie it to the crucifixion and the trial and the arrest of Jesus. And I'm talking about this today because there's a writing assignment that I've been working on, and also there's just some personal conversations that I've just been having recently in some different situations and with some people, and I just kind of felt like, you know, I think this would just be a good single-day topic to talk about. Romans 12.2 tells us that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then it goes on to say, and the reason for that is so that we will know what is good, what is perfect, what is the will of God. You know, we talk a lot sometimes in Christian circles about finding the will of God. And maybe we'll get into that in another episode of of how we can look at that. But right there in Romans 12, 2, it tells us that the way that that is going to happen is that our minds have to be transformed. They have to be renewed. Well, to make something renewed, you're going to have to bring in new information. If all I do is I just keep thinking the same old thoughts and I don't have any new information that comes to me, I don't even really have the opportunity to have any renewing because I don't have any new insights or information. But without that, we will not experience transformation. If you see someone who just doesn't ever change, pay attention to how much new insight and information that that person is actually gathering. And this is so incredibly important. And I want to talk about this when we look at the trial and arrest of of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to focus on the different components of that where this part of the trial and arrest was illegal and this and that and the other. I want us to look at it from a deeply personal level. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have a problem identifying myself with Peter. Okay. I can see myself very easily being Peter, who one minute, you know, is over here boasting about how he's going to stand by Jesus no matter what happens. And then there's a moment and he acts out in a a state of fear and ends up harming someone else, hopefully that would not be me. But you get the gist of what I'm saying is this is somebody who took action, you know, in a moment. And then the next thing we know, yes, he's following Jesus, but then eventually when he feels so threatened, again, because he's acting out of fear, then rather than acting outward, he turns inward and he allows himself to deny Jesus, not just once, but three times. And it absolutely breaks his heart that he does that. I don't really have a problem being able to see myself being right there alongside of Peter. What I do have a problem with is to see myself as being Caiaphas, the high priest and the chief of the Sanhedrin. I just don't feel like I resonate with those people. And yet, and not in some sort of false humility or some sort of condemning way, But it is a sobering realization to me of how they got to the place that they did. Now, stick with me. There is a connection between that and Romans 12, too. You see, the connection is that for three and a half years, Caiaphas and the other chief priests and the members of the Sanhedrin who were a part of this whole arrest and trial and everything, they had been telling themselves a story. They had been telling themselves a story about themselves and about Jesus. They didn't go from one day hearing him preach in one of the synagogues to two weeks later standing in the outer gates of Pilate's um, judgment seat area yelling crucify him in just a matter of a few days. They had built up this story that they had been telling themselves, the thoughts that they had been thinking for those three and a half years is what eventually led them to the place that it did. There is nothing more life-shaping than the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and about someone else. I was sharing with someone recently about my some of my grandchildren. And of course they are the most adorable, beautiful, intelligent grandchildren in the world, right? Of course. I mean, what else could I possibly think? They are kids and they are in infant and toddler stages. And so, yeah, there are times that there's something that they don't get what they want. And there's a bit of an issue. Okay. Because they're, they're kids, they're human beings. The story I tell myself in those moments is going to have an impact on how I respond to that. So for example, just trying to make this very real, let's say that I was getting ready to take one of my two-year-old grandchildren to a park and we're getting ready and they're supposed to go put on their shoes. Well, they go and they put on a pair of shoes that are totally inappropriate for the park. I mean, I know that if they wear those shoes, That it's not going to work on those park surfaces and they're just going to be at such an increased risk for falling and getting hurt and those shoes are going to trip them up. And so I know that. And so I say, no, you can't wear those shoes. You need to wear these instead. And it's just one of those days that maybe they decide they're not going to be cooperative. And so the tears start or the, you know, plopping on the floor or, you know, whatever it is. The story that I tell myself in that moment is going to have an impact on how I respond to them. If the story that I say is in in my head is, oh, for crying out loud, why are you just having a tantrum over a pair of shoes? What is the big deal here? If that's what I tell myself is they're just throwing a tantrum over something that's no big deal. It's just a pair of shoes. I'm going to respond very differently than if I tell them or if I tell myself this story. Those shoes are a prized possession. Those shoes have an emotional um, attachment. They have an emotional attachment to those shoes. That's not just another pair of shoes to them. That's a special pair of shoes. And so if I think of that in terms of, okay, well, how would I like it if somebody said to me when I was getting ready to go to the store, hey Steph, you don't get to carry the purse that you want to carry. You need to take all of the stuff out of your purse and you need to just dump it in a plastic shopping bag. And that's what you've got to carry in the store with you. I don't think I would throw myself on the floor and start crying, but I think I would probably feel that way on the inside. Now, of course, as an adult, I would know that well, I could just say, uh, not, not doing that and just take my purse and go. But imagine I was in a situation where I had to do whatever that person said. And they said, here's what you got to do. You got to dump all your stuff, your stuff in this old plastic bag. And yeah, it's got a few holes in it. And you gotta, that's what you got to carry in the store. I would not be real happy about that. And even though I might outwardly comply, on the inside, I might be throwing myself on the floor and kicking and crying and screaming about that. If I think of my grandchildren in that situation and I see this isn't just a pair of shoes to them, um, it's something that, that's meaningful to them. In the same way that I might have a favorite purse that I take with me shopping, I'm going to respond to them differently. Now, that doesn't mean that my response is going to be, oh, honey, you go wear whatever pair of shoes you want to wear. But it might mean that instead of just, think, okay, would you just, for crying out loud, just get your shoes on? Okay, it's just a pair of shoes. Come on, we're late. We got to go. Come on, come on. Your whole things up. Okay, get yourself up off the floor. Stop throwing a tantrum. What is wrong with you? Instead of having that kind of a response, I'm going to have a response that's going to be more like, honey, I know those shoes are so special to you. I know that you like those. And you know what? I think those are great shoes, too. You know what? We're going to go to the park and if you wear those shoes, they're probably going to make you fall down and bump your head and then you're not going to be able to get on the swings and go down the slide and that's just going to hurt. And then it's it's just going to make you sad and me sad and we don't want to be sad. We want to go and have fun. So I'll tell you what. We're going to take your shoes and we're going to put those right here and they're going to be here and when you get home, you can wear them when you get home. All right. So let's go ahead and get these and then let's get these on because we, we got to get to the park if we want to have time to go and play. Okay. Some of you with young kids right now, I see you, you are rolling your eyes if you're not wanting to just reach out and just slap me virtually. I get it. As the mom of five sons, even though they're all grown now, trust me, I get the battle of the shoes and you finally get everybody ready and then you turn around and two of your kids have taken off their shoes and you don't know where they are. And somebody else has decided that they don't need to wear pants. And then you're having to deal with that. And then you finally got everybody together and somebody says, I have to go pee and all that kind of stuff. I get that. I understand that. And I know there are times where there are situations where you just have to say, put on your shoes, we have to leave now. And you may have to pick up Mr. or Miss, unhappy, wailing, flailing kiddo and go and put them in their car seat. I get that those things happen and sometimes that's necessary. But the pattern that we set for ourselves, the stories that we tell ourselves, the language that we use has a profound impact Impact on who we become as people and how we treat others. Caiaphas and the other religious leaders had been labeling Jesus in very negative ways for three and a half years. By the time they bring him to Pilate and they are demanding not just his death, they are demanding his crucifixion, they have been telling themselves two stories. First of all, they've been telling themselves that they are the ones who have the accurate, truthful understanding of who God is and how he works in this world. They're the ones who understand what will happen when the Messiah comes, how he will come, how he will conduct himself. They know best. They've also been telling themselves a story about Jesus. They haven't just been saying, He's not the Son of God, they have been saying, He's not even from God in the sense that he's not even a prophet. And their hatred had built to such a point that when they go to Pilate, they don't just want a death warrant. I mean, they could have said, hey, look, we just want to be able to have a death warrant. Leave it up to us. We're just going to stone him to death or we'll whatever. I mean, I don't want to be real graphic here. But there were other ways that capital punishment could have been enacted. But instead, they have gotten to the point that the stories that they have been telling themselves for these three and a half years have led them to the point they demand the only option that they ever present is they want him crucified. They want him not just to die. They want him to suffer in the worst possible way they knew how. I want to challenge you today. Pay attention to the story that you tell yourself, the language that you use. You know, maybe it's about the little kiddos that you have. And if you begin by using the language of, oh, they're just such a problem, or, oh, they're just, she's just such a drama queen, or, oh, he's just so impatient, or they're just so demanding, or they just throw these tantrums all the time. You compound that language over enough years, and by the time they get into those teen years, you will have already created a narrative that is going to have a profound impact on how you see them and how you relate to them in those years when there's a whole lot more at stake than just what pair of shoes that they're going to wear when they walk out the door. And this isn't just about kids, it's about our colleagues, it's about our spouses, it's about other people in our family. It's really about everybody we meet. Somebody cuts us off in traffic. We tell ourselves a story. They're an idiot. Why can't they watch what they're doing? Or we might say, you know what, I I don't think they saw me and they just, they cut over and you know, God, wherever they're going today, just just bless them. We are constantly telling ourselves stories about all the people that we encounter. Pay attention to the stories that you are telling yourself about yourself and about others because the fact is that what we need to be very sober by as we think about that crucifixion and trial and arrest of Jesus is we can end up becoming like the Sanhedrin in people's lives even in the lives of our own family members because we think we know what's right, we have the right perception, the, our perspective is accurate, that other person just doesn't see what we can so clearly see, and the stories that we tell ourselves will culminate over time until we may find ourselves in a situation where we're not trying to literally crucify someone, but we may be wanting to do that in a relational Way with them. So I just want to encourage you today take those verses in Romans 12 2 and and also verse 3. Take those seriously. There is no other way to have transformation happen in your life or in any of your relationships if you don't do the ongoing work of learning yourself so that you can see. Where does your mind need to be renewed? Where do you need a new perspective, new insight, new information, a new way of thinking about someone, a new story that you are telling yourself about yourself or about other people in your life and around you? All right, my friend, that's it for today. I want you to remember this. You have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal and irreplaceable thank you for listening for information on speaking engagements and other resources visit the website at stephaniepresents.com remember learn yourself love god and live connected